This episode of Coffee with Kenobi is brought to you by MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. For all of your travel needs to the Disney theme parks and the cruise lines, or anywhere you want to go on vacation, although my vote would be Galaxy's Edge, be sure to go to our affiliate link, which can be found on the website, and the show notes are on our Twitter feed, and sign up for a free, no-obligation quote. We are also brought to you by One Nation Coffee, the official brew of Coffee with Kenobi. For the best coffee in the galaxy, go to www.onenationcoffee.com and sign up for a free subscription service so you never miss out on the best coffee in the galaxy. This is Andy Gutierrez from StarWars.com, and you are listening to Coffee with Kenobi with Dan Z. This is the podcast you're looking for. This is James Arnold Taylor, and you're listening to Coffee with Kenobi. Hmm, I have a good feeling about this. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Coffee with Kenobi, show number 281. We are your spoiler-free place for Star Wars discussion, analysis, and rhetoric. I'm here drinking One Nation coffee out of my CWK orange coffee mug. I know you thought I was going to say Galaxy's Edge coffee mug, but I'll explain some of that a little bit later in the show. Believe me, you are in for a treat. It's going to be an incredible amount of content starting here on show 281 from my trip to the grand opening of Galaxy's Edge in Disneyland, California. Batu is a wonderful place, and I can't wait to take you there. Matt Martin, James Burns, Corey Club, and Tom Gross will join me. So pull up a chair, grab your favorite coffee mug, and let's have some coffee with Kenobi. Looking to catch up on the latest Star Wars books? Try listening to them on audio. Featuring sound effects and music directly from the movies, Star Wars audiobooks are the definitive listening experience. From brand new audiobooks such as Master and Apprentice and Dooku Jedi Lost, to our blockbuster movie tie-in editions, you'll have plenty to keep you entertained. Start listening wherever audiobooks are sold. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Coffee with Kenobi. Talk about a very, very special episode. I am here at Disneyland in Anaheim, California. Right now, I'm actually waiting in my hotel. I woke up really, really early, had breakfast with Clayton Sandell, got my media kit and credentials, and this incredible swag bag, which I'll talk about in a little bit. And I'm just waiting so that I can go down to the lobby and meet the rest of the media as we head into Batu, just hearing me say this out loud. I can't even tell you how excited I am to be a part of this, how excited I am to bring you along for the ride. It is an incredible blessing. And I've said this before, uh, so I apologize if I am repeating myself, but when we started this show, I knew that I wanted to have a voice in fandom. I knew I wanted to be able to do something special. I knew I wanted to do something that I liked listening to. Some of my podcasting heroes like Ed Dolista from the IndieCast and Mike Pilot from Full of Sith, Jim Hill from the Jim Hill Media Network, and Lou Mangiello from WDW Radio. I just thought it's so cool how these guys have access to these things that they obviously are very passionate about. They're authentic fans. They enjoy what they are doing. Man, that seems wonderful. Good for them. Never in my wildest dreams did I think I would be sitting here in the Grand Californian about to experience the grand opening of Galaxy's Edge. It is just wonderful. Let me tell you a little bit about how I got here. Uh, I flew out of Peoria, Illinois, or close to where I'm located, and flew to O'Hare. There was like a three-hour delay at O'Hare, which of course was not ideal, but hey, it gave me time to just sort of collect my thoughts and look over the pre-media stuff that they sent to us. And then I landed here in California 
oh gosh, it was probably about 10.45 or so. No, it was actually a little bit after 11 California time, which for me, for Illinois time, is like one in the morning. So it was it was tricky. I tried to watch Aquaman on the plane, but I was getting sleepy. It's no reflection on the film. I just was a little tired because I'm not used to that. But hey, it's all worth it. And so then I came here. Uh, Clayton and I hung out a little bit, chatted. He caught me up on what he did yesterday. And then we woke up, and he and I went to downtown Disney and had some breakfast, had some coffee. I went and got my media credentials. And then now I'm here in the hotel waiting, uh, getting ready to share all these experiences with you. Now, the swag bag that they gave us, they asked us if we wanted to be dark side or light side, but they said it wouldn't matter based on what the swag was going to be. Although I have a feeling people who were here yesterday got the the resistance side, whereas today I got the first order side, but it's this beautiful black canvas backpack with a bunch of patches on it, including this wonderful patch of Batu. Then there's a card with everything that is in there. I got a first order Stormtrooper baseball cap. I got the Coca-Cola red Orabest shirt that they gave out at Celebration. I got this incredible phone charger that uh, is really nice. It's got two ports in it. It lights up. It says Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, and then it says Disneyland, so that's really nice. I'm actually charging that up now. It was pretty full, but I'm just going to give it a little bit of extra juice because I'm sure I'll need every little bit of it today. We got the two books. In fact, why don't I just open it up while I'm telling you? I don't have my phone in front of me so that I can look at that. But I've got the two books uh, that are going to come out in August, The Black Spire by Delilah S. Dawson. And then I got A Crash of Fate by Zoreda Cordova, I believe. So that's cool. I didn't expect that. There's this nice exclusive first order water bottle. And then I've got this incredible key. It's basically kind of like a key to the city. Uh, It's got the falcon on it. And it says, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge Disneyland Resort Grand Opening Media Event 2019. It's a stunner. I mean, it is. It is unbelievable. All those pictures are going to be up for you. If you've been following me on Patreon, you've gotten to see so much exclusive stuff. Uh, I'm actually glad about that because I wasn't sure what I was going to put on there, but things just keep coming to me because I know that you're loving to see it. So be sure to do that. I'm going to go ahead and wrap up here. I'm going to go meet James Burns from Jedi News, and he's going to get his media credentials. And then we're going to go um, in a couple hours I have to go to Disneyland, to Main Street, where the the moments with Mr. Lincoln is, and they're going to have a big panel to give us a bunch of reveals there. So much, much, much more to come. As promised, I am here with the wonderful James Burns. James, welcome back to the show. Hello, good to be here. This is pretty exciting. How about this? We're uh, sitting in the media center. We've done video for that, and we know uh, in what, less than two hours, we're going to be uh, maybe a little longer than that, but we're so close to Batu. It's it's finally here, my friend. It is. We're going to be leaving Disneyland and heading to Batu, and I'm I'm just so excited. How about you? Uh yes, excited. Is... <laughs> There's somebody, yeah, we're, he he and I. You can't see her now, but he and I are both smiling like like little boys on Christmas Eve because it's just a wonderful, exciting thing knowing that we're about to experience this. Now, you and I were chatting before, and we uh, we we chat pretty much daily. Yeah. Through a wonderful app. What's the app called? WhatsApp. WhatsApp. It's a great free app, and um, you can call on it, you can chat on it, you can send images, and it's all free. 
Yeah, so like, so even though James is in the UK and I'm near Chicago, we can still chat all the time, and, and it and doesn't cost anything. So back on May seventh, we both talked about the three things we were most excited about experiencing this uh, during this incredible media event. So James, go ahead and read them for us. So I said seeing the Falcon, the ride itself, and tasting blue milk. And you said seeing and walking on the Falcon, the lightsabers, and the feel of walking around Batuu. Yes, and so do you still feel exactly the same, or is it modified since you've learned more information? I still feel. I, I think I feel pretty much the same. I mean, I'm a, the only thing I feel a little bit nervous about is the lightsabers. What about you? No, I'm the same way. I've heard a lot of people who've gotten in for the friends and family stuff saying that the lightsaber line is really, really long, and that may be one of the only things that you do. Uh, so I think I feel pretty similar. I've kind of lowered my expectations on that. I just want to. I really. I think my desire to taste the food. Uh, has jumped up quite a bit and you know it just looks good I'm kind of a foodie anyway and I really just want to go in the August Cantina and try some of those amazing drinks but really just walking around um, there is a b-roll that they sent to us media folks and I watched about 10 seconds of people walking into the park and I stopped because I want to experience that live for the first time Absolutely. I mean, I, I, that's, that's the thing I'm most excited about is, you know, we've heard all of this from various people about walking in, seeing it. We've seen pictures, we've seen videos, but I think experiencing that yourself and walking from Disneyland into Batu, yeah, I'm just, I'm getting all tingly. It sounds crazy, doesn't it? But yeah, I think as Star Wars fans, this is something that we've longed to do for 42 years. And now through the vision, for the, through the visionary imagination of George Lucas and the wonderful Disney Imagineers, we're going to get to do that today. Yes, it's it's going to be, I mean, we had talked about, I mean, everyone listening understands exactly how we feel, and they're the same way, so we're glad you're along with us for this amazing ride. And then there's talk tonight after the dinner and the, uh, the ribbon-cutting ceremony. You get free reign of the park for a couple hours, and then people talked about getting drinks and dinner, and then going to Disneyland and riding rides. I mean, it sounds like the only thing that would make this better is if my family was here with me. Absolutely. That, I, I completely agree. Having, having my family here and sharing it with them would have been awesome, but I'm sharing it with you, which is pretty cool as well. And we've got a few other friends here as well, so we're going to have a great time. It's going to be great. So much, much more to come, but I, but I had to get a few moments with James on the air. I mean, it's not often you get to meet with Star Wars royalty. So, hey, thanks, buddy. I'm sure we'll be back on soon. Absolutely. I, I, I look forward to it. There's going to be so much to share on this trip, and uh, it's, we're, we're just going to have a blast. Hey, it's Danzy again from Coffee with Kenobi here with, uh, you're next to Filoni, you're probably my white whale of being on the show. <laughs> I'm here with my good friend, Matt Martin, creative executive at Lucasfilm. Hey, dude, welcome to the show finally. Thank you. It finally happened. Yeah. And it's not even a full episode. It's just like a, a little bit. <laughs> one hey. day. Yeah, one day. No, it is totally worth it. So I'm incredibly excited to talk about you because cause I like talking with you anyway, but I know how much this place means. To, like, I don't feel like I could get choked up because you love this place you love Disneyland like I do. What does this yeah. mean to you? Oh, this this means the world to me. I mean, just the idea that I got to like be Imagineer adjacent was pretty fantastic. And now being here, like, like the like the, the Mark Twain goes like right there on the other side of those rocks. Like that's that's just absurd, you know. So um, it's it's mind blowing. And actually, Saturday I was here for preview day, and I got to bring my mom through, and like that really meant the world because it was like, all right, mom, this is a physical representation of what I do. <laughs> wow. I don't that kind of floors me because I I know you're a, a good guy with your family too. And this is a family atmosphere. I mean, what they've done here and, and we talked about this a little bit last night. I don't feel like I'm at Disneyland. And I don't mean that as a pejorative. I feel like 
I'm on Batuu. I'm I'm in the Star Wars universe. How did you guys come up with this? I mean, pretty early on, we decided that we wanted to do a new planet with a new story that really allows guests to tell their own story rather than kind of follow in the footsteps of another character. Um, so yeah, we bandied about kind of what this would be years and years ago, and you know, over I guess three, four years now, I've just been helping out develop every little aspect of the land that you know from a story perspective. Right, and of course, uh, you know, like Pirates Prize and uh, and the new books that are coming out in August, they all tell a story. Because I was always wondering, you know, so how's the Falcon get here? Why does Hondo? I can't imagine. Anyone wanting to give the Falcon to Hondo, but you guys made it work. Yeah, actually, it was funny. I feel like when we pitched the idea of using Hondo in the attraction, I was like, there's no way Imagineering is going to go for this. They don't They don't know this. They all knew exactly who we were talking about, and they're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. He'll be a fun animatronic. And I was just like, wait, is that happening? Are we really going to have an animatronic Hondo? And, like, here he is. It's crazy. It is crazy. And, and of course, it's so incredibly lifelike, as Disney, of course, is famous for. So let's shift gears a little bit. There are a ton of Easter eggs here. I've seen the Ark of the Covenant, which to me is like the ultimate. I almost was going to say that's the Holy Grail, but that would be sort of, you know, we're, we're mixing. Not up. actually that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but what can you tell us about some of your favorite Easter eggs? Uh, I mean, there's so many. This whole place is Easter eggs. Doc's shop, it's full of them. Um, some of my favorites, have you seen the Porg that, that shocks himself? No, where is that? So in the queue of the Falcon, there's kind of a, a frosted window mm-hmm. that, for the most part, is just a frosted window. But if you happen to catch it at the right time, you'll see the shadow of a porg come and start chewing on some cables before he gets shocked and it's like, ah! <laughs> um, and there's also pork nests all throughout, too, which I love, just as a big pork fan. Yeah, oh, I know. And like <laughs> uh, when I did the interview today earlier on the in the Falcon, they've got the pork nest up there and all that stuff and now that you mentioned i remember walking through that attraction and hearing people say oh pork and i just thought they were being silly but it's actually real uh let's talk about doc ondors that that shop getting those holocrons wow that that place i mean steve sansweet is going to lose his mind in there (laughs) yeah i mean the fact that they really committed to making product that you could find in universe is, it's really on display in that shop more than anything. We're, and something like the Holocrons. The Holocron is maybe my favorite Star Wars product of all time. Wow. Because of all of the cool things it can do, the way it interacts with the crystals, the way it interacts with it with itself. Like if you put the, the dark and the light together, you get a little special treat. Especially if something cool for Rebels fans. I'm not going to give it away. But oh. um, yeah, it's, it's very, very cool. Actually, I'm, I'm glad there's a lot of love for Rebels because I think that might be... I don't know. It's my very favorite, but if it's it's as close to the movies as you can possibly be, that that show is incredible. I've been showing it to my son, uh, and he's five, and he is just completely infatuated. There's a ton of rebel stuff in that shop. Yeah, there's there's a ton of rebels. There's some Clone Wars stuff in there. Um, man, there's yeah, like you, Ezra's helmet is in there. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know that was going to be in there until I saw it. It's just it's incredible. The props team just really, you know, they work some magic. We sent them. A ton of reference. Obviously, they found a bunch of their own reference, and they just they they made a bunch of things that are just you know you you couldn't find elsewhere. They got actual props from Pinewood. There's actual props from the prequels in there. It's everything. And then you've got uh, a baby Sarlacc. I feel like that was sort of a reveal because I never thought about what was under the sand. Yeah. That thing. I've got a ton of views from that little 10 second video of that thing. Yeah, I mean, that was, we've never got, we've seen it illustrated, but we've never really got to see what it kind of looks like in real life, and it was such a a funny thing having to come up with that, or even the concept of just a baby Sarlacc, 
And then, uh, actually, recently in the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge comic series, um, I can't remember if it's out yet or if it's, like, the next issue that's out very soon, um, you'll actually get to see how Doc comes upon a Sar... Maybe not that Sarlacc, but a Sarlacc baby. Oh, dude. That is super, super cool. Uh, so, I guess, uh, I know it, it. all of it is just incredible for a lot of reasons, but where does this rank for you in your, in your professional career, as, uh, both as a Disney guy, Star Wars fan, and just... Just doing what you do. Well, it's it's kind of the pinnacle, so it's all downhill from here, I guess. Because <laughs> this is this is literally like when I was a kid, no joke. When I was like eight years old, it was always like I want to work for Lucasfilm, and if I can't work for Lucasfilm, I want to be an Imagineer. And this is as close as I could get to being both of those things and working with the Imagineering team and seeing the way that those guys think. And yeah, it's it's been an incredible experience. Oh, it really has. Well said. And you've got this immersion. I like that when you walk through, like, there's a there's a language to Batu. You know, first people were saying bright suns, and I, and I realized this is the greeting. Tell me about kind of the creation of the language here. Yeah, there's a few. I mean, basically, the language is, is basic, but there's a few terms that are kind of like specific local terms, like bright suns, which is hello, rising moons, which is, you know, could be good night or hello at night, good evening. Um, there's till the spire, which is kind of like a... Um, that's another kind of goodbye. There's made the Spire's Keek View, which is kind of like a good luck or, you know, best of luck sort of thing. There's all of these things that the cast members kind of, they went through this training where they were basically allowed to kind of create their own character within these kind of given parameters. And, I mean, as you can see by interacting with them, they really, really went with it. And it's I think it's added so much to this land. I mean, I, I personally feel that cast members are kind of one of the most important parts of Disneyland and what separates Disneyland from other theme parks and seeing them here where they're like even taking it to the next level is just incredible and then we talk about the fact that very 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 soon well I don't know actually I have no clue of the time frame I don't know if anyone does but Rise of the Resistance is coming and it sounds like I mean this place is already incredible as it is it's almost unfair how wonderful it is <laughs> everybody's got to come here instantly but then it's going to add a whole new level to this incredible thing yeah, I mean, Rise of the Resistance is it is the most ambitious Star Wars or most ambitious Disney attraction in like the history of the parks. Um, like Walt would be very impressed with it. Oh, um, and yeah, it will add an entire new level to this park and to the story of the land. Because right now, um, you you know it's already so immersive and so cool, but you're only kind of getting the first first order and the kind of smugglery scoundrel side of the story and just just a hint at the Resistance story. And when that opens, you really get the full breadth of it. Oh, man, I cannot wait. Hey, man, this was so great to finally have you on the show. Uh, you did, you passed the audition, so congratulations. All right. So I never have to do this again is what you're saying. <laughs> I'm <laughs> off the, the list. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, brother. Have a, have a great rest of your time here on Batu. Awesome. Thank you. This is Vanessa Marshall, and you're listening to Coffee with Kenobi. Looking to catch up on the latest Star Wars books? Try listening to them on audio. Featuring sound effects, top-notch narrators, and music directly from the movies, Star Wars audiobooks are the definitive listening experience. From Luke Skywalker to Kylo Ren to Admiral Ackbar, you'll recognize all of your favorite characters. Listen to movie tie-ins like The Last Jedi and The Force Awakens, and original titles such as Master and Apprentice and Dooku Jedi Lost. Don't forget to pre-order Alphabet Squadron on sale June 11th. With Star Wars audiobooks, you'll have plenty of Star Wars listening to keep you entertained. Available wherever audiobooks are sold. 
we are back. So now here we go into the nitty gritty of Coffee with Kenobi for episode number 281. You've listened to me talk with James multiple times about from the media center. You've heard my pre-excitement as I was in the Grand Californian waiting to go out and experience Batu. Then you got to hear my conversation with Matt Martin, who is, of course, the creative executive from Lucasfilm, who we've been dying to have on the show for such a long time. All amazing things, amazing things. But now, speaking of amazing things, I get to be on with my co-pilots, Corey Club and Tom Gross, and we are all just going to talk about my experiences on Galaxy's Edge. They'll be asking me some questions. It's going to be fun. So, Tom and Corey, let's do this. Welcome back to the show. Thanks. Hey, it's here. good to be yeah. yeah, good to be here. <clears throat> okay, so I know you guys are sort of interviewing me, and I'm just sort of conversing, but I want to know... Uh, and you guys are, all, it's always fun when we, when I get to do these things, I feel like I get to bring you guys along in my pocket and you'll ask me questions and I'll send you guys pictures and stuff like that. <laughs> Why we're in your pocket. Come on. Well, you're on my phone. Oh, you're on oh, my phone. oh, oh, yes. okay. okay. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I was picturing little mice. I thought, yeah, I thought yeah, like little mice. <laughs> I'm Cinderella, Cinderella. Haircuts. <laughs> oh boy. Um, so tell me what you're thinking when you first start um, seeing my updates and I'm texting you these pictures. Well, it starts out with the, it's happening, it's happening, and like then dot, <laughs> dot, dot, right? And then it's like, oh, you're 28 minutes out. Here we go. I'm like, what? I mean, what's going to happen? I have oh, no this idea, right? Yeah. Yeah, the Twitter. Before yeah, the embargo the broke. Feed. Yes. So it's like, I mean, so you've been through, I guess, most of the experience and you're just waiting for like kind of the, like the sweet spot, um, obviously. So it's kind of fun to watch you count down, but it's not like a regular like three to one countdown. It's like a Dan's air countdown lower. It's like 12 minutes out, seven and a half point three million minutes left. I'm ready to go. It's like you're so chomping at the bit. I love it because like, I, I know your excitement. I know your anticipation level is so high just to get the word out for folks. And I know yeah. how, how big this experience is for you. So, I mean, obviously, like you said, we're, we're kind of in your pocket there. Obviously, got the ride along, if you will. And it's, I'm excited to find out. I mean, obviously you can go and listen to you all over the place. You're, you're all over the place doing this kind of stuff. But like, I mean, I, I kind of, I thought about this off the air in a sense too. Like we talked about like that, that what's, I want to ask maybe some hard questions, you know? Yeah. Um, obviously the, we'll start out with this, you know, from what I experienced, what I've seen, the pictures they show, like the there's a promo that Disney put out, and it has like a a, a child and a, and a a parent, and they're running off to see Star Wars Land, and like it's just them, they're like yeah, and everybody's like, yeah, there's no way it's going to be like just us and you know Galaxy's Edge, but you kind of got to experience that a little bit. I did. What will be the biggest hangup fans and visitors will will and en- and en- encounter along the way, Galaxy's Edge? Sure. Well, that, that is a very good question. It's a little tricky question. Well, I do want to say really quickly about the uh, me doing the countdown on social media. <laughs> um, before we went, we had a conference call with Disney, and they talked to us Ooh. about what we could expect. And then was Mickey they, Mouse was Mickey Mouse on that call. It was, was a conference call. It was. It was. Cool. It was. Yeah. Um, and then they kept telling. They said, "Look, you have an embargo until Wednesday at mm. six p.m. Pacific time." And they were very, very specific about what that meant and what you could do and what you absolutely could not do. And this a little bit, and they said, if, if, you know, you don't meet the embargo, then you basically are losing your privileges, which I desperately did not want to happen. I worked too hard and too long to make that happen. 
So mm-hmm. then when you go there, there are signs, giant signs everywhere in this media center. Don't you, you know, don't break the embargo. This is the time of the embargo on our big lanyards, which are our media passes. The embargo is mm-hmm. on there too. We went into this huge panel with a bunch of, uh, you know, incredible people, including Scott Trowbridge, who, you know, basically created mm-hmm. this, drove this whole thing. Doug Chang was there. Carrie Beck from Lucasfilm Story Group. A lot of uh, major heavy hitters. And, and they talked about the embargo too. So it's just like over and over again, you couldn't do it. We, we were, there were people, a ton of people for two weeks that went in for cast member previews and they were allowed to go around, but they weren't allowed to take pictures. Uh, we were the first people to be able to take pictures of things. But again, mm-hmm. we still had to wait until the grand opening before we could start posting stuff, which we did. So now you asked me about the hangups. I think the main hangups, uh, and I went not only for two days for the media previews on the on the 29th and 30th, but I went there the 31st too when it actually opened to the public to see what those hangups might actually be. Nice. Lot, and I put this on Instagram and, on our, and I put a ton of stuff on Patreon, which I'll talk about later. But the biggest hangups were the massive lines for the collector pins and trying to get into the cantina. It seems from at least at the time of this recording, riding the Falcon wasn't too bad, you know, 10, 15 minutes or so. But the lines for the cantina were two hours long. So if you want to go in there and get a drink from Oga's cantina, that might be the trick for you. But I think even... Okay. Now they are doing things where you have like almost like you reserve like a time slot and you're able to go in for a little bit of time and then they bring the next group in too. So it's uh it's sort of a, a modern miracle. Again, you know, we'll see what happens when I talk with Len Test and other people who do more of the operational stuff, way more detailed than I ever would dream possible. But it seems like they have got this thing so beautifully organized, the reservation system is working. All the cast members I spoke with on the 31st said that there was uh, not the craziness that they expected because people knew when they could and couldn't get in. There were no disgruntled people. I mean, I'm sure there were some, but no one was talking sure. about that. And I didn't witness any of that. There were massive interstate, you know, those interstate signs they have on the highway that say like <laughs> left lane closed, right lane closed. Mm-hmm. They had those massive signs by the front of Disneyland. And you've been there with me, Corey. Yeah. And it said, you know, only accepting reservation galaxy's edge reservation holders may proceed otherwise you're not able to get in in the hotels they had places where you could go up to the to check in to get your wristband so that you know what time slot you're allowed to go in i mean it was an extremely well-oiled machine wow and disney's always done a good job i think of uh, I don't want to call it corralling, but it is corralling folks, yeah. crowd control, crowd management. if you will. Sure, and they they specialize in it and they do it every single day. So, um, and the other thing, I want to step back to the embargo too. Like that's yeah. serious stuff. Folks are like, oh, oh yeah. it's no big deal. It no, is a big deal yeah. because here's the thing: like, there's stuff that probably happened you had no idea it was going to happen. I mean, they want to surprise people who actually do have kind of some of the ins and outs of behind the stage stuff, and and give them a little treat. I think uh, so. I think it's very important to keep that stuff, you know, kind of lock and key because that's what makes it fun for everybody else. I mean, obviously people are going to break that, but you know, I think uh, you did a good job of that. And I think it's, it's hard. It's not that, that easy at all. So well, thank you. Very cool. So Dan, I've got a couple questions. Um, yeah. I was going to start by saying, so the, the group that you were with, was it all media? Yes, uh, pretty much. Yeah. All, okay. all media from, uh, various uh, various different places, but I was one of the few Star Wars podcasts. I mean, there was yeah. hardly any. In fact, I mean, Brian was there. He was he was doing some stuff mm-hmm. for some writing stuff. 
Trisha Barr was there. Uh, of course, James Burns was there with Jedi News, and then and me. So I mean, it was very, very, very select people. And I feel very, very blessed and honored that I was one of the people to be invited. Awesome. That is very cool. So I'm kind of wanting uh, a fan's perspective. Uh, so I've seen many videos uh, from your videos to, say, Clayton Sandell's uh, videos on ABC, as well as a few others. Um, t- tell us, uh, it, it's always difficult on those videos to know what is what is exactly the entrance. So when yeah. you enter Galaxy's Edge, are you looking at the Falcon? What, what is what is that no. like when you are coming yeah. into the experience? So they, you go on through. You can go on through Critter Country, or you can go on through Frontierland, uh, and then there's another entrance uh, down by Frontierland as well that you can go in. I have my little fact sheet here. I should probably rummage through that while I'm talking to you guys. But uh, every every entrance you go in, you have to go on a little bit of a walk before you see the Falcon, and, and they're so winding, like the roads in the past wind a little bit. That eventually you'll you sort of see a hint of it, and then boom, it's there. It's really a, a kind of a a miracle of architecture the way that they have it that's revealed. I will say the first time that I saw it, I came in backstage from Disneyland. I've never been backstage at Disneyland before, but I was there a lot over those couple of days. And so, like, we walked up this massive wall, and I'm thinking, okay, we're going to walk into Galaxy's Edge. Here we go. And we were very excited and feeling kind of calm. And here we go. We're going to see us. And I turned the corner and the Falcon was boom, right? There There was no path. Oh. There was no lead. I was expecting it. So I saw just my mouth just kind of dropped. And I was walking by James Burns and I held up my hand and I put it on his shoulder. And we both let out this kind of gasp, you know, like this happy and shocked and almost like it sounded like we were having grief, but we weren't. We were just sort of stunned. <laughs> and, and, and we go, oh, my gosh. And we were both making these like grown men blubbering noises and now i mean everyone keeps saying you know you you'll believe a grown man can weep and all that kind of stuff and you know i i don't know that i wept i was i got choked up but i was just deliriously happy and just sort of overwhelmed by the experience and i did make a video of that where i just say hey, it's the falcon right behind me that it was just amazing and guys the detail on this thing i took a video of walking around the bottom of it and i was again very very fortunate that there were there were good chunks of time, and not just the first day, but especially the second day when I walked around, which I'll definitely talk about a lot, especially on Porover, where it was just me. Now I had sections of Batu and Galaxy's Edge all to myself, which, you know, when is that gonna happen again? I I doubted that it ever will, really. And so you just you're just so I made a point of going to all three entrances and walking through all three entrances. And I took some video of them, some turned out better than others where you just kind of walk through to get to where it takes to get to the Falcon. Because the Falcon is basically, it's almost like a giant U shape, even though it doesn't feel that way when you're walking through it very much intertwines a little bit, but there's plenty of space. There's plenty of walk to go. There's, there's plenty of opportunity there. There's a ton of great video out there that Disney sent us and I'm going to distribute to that really just kind of shows you the, the scope of this thing and how to get around. But it, it's absolutely extraordinary, unlike anything I've ever seen in my life. So I'm curious to know, like, obviously, like you said, there's there's a lot of anticipation going into it. You know, kind of know what to expect a little bit. I mean, you've just described to us your first kind of impressions and, and you know, whatnot. I'm curious to know what, what didn't work for you. I mean, like... And going in, obviously, we know there's some great um, cantinas, uh, merchandising, the Falcon, of course, 
uh, just the ambiance of the music and the atmosphere. But what were you? What were you kind of? Were you underwhelmed by anything? Like you kind of like, oh, I thought this would be better than than kind of it was presented. Or I right. mean, was it like? I mean, I'm I kind of know what you're going to say, but I'm curious <laughs> to be kind of critical about it to some degree. Yeah. Um. So underwhelmed. Well, I I was. Well, I I guess I'll say because I I can tell you what um exceeded my expectations because there's plenty to talk about. And by the mm-hmm. way, I've never actually said it, but I absolutely love love Galaxy's Edge. My gosh, it's it's like home. It's home. You know, like, all of a sudden we're like, wait a minute, home. I'm I'm in Star Wars. You know, it's just like you just like dawned on you. Like I, I just got to tell everybody I loved it. Like yeah, I mean, it's like almost a given. I mean, but obviously you're right. Exactly. So I think well, that's here, a lot here's cool. the thing, guys. When yeah. I'm in there, I don't feel like I'm at Disneyland. Like the way they've really? again, the way they've got this thing built, it's absolutely extraordinary. I didn't feel like I was Disneyland. I felt like I was just somewhere else. I felt like I was on a set. I, I'm not going to say I was on another planet. I mean, I do have my wits about me. But I, I did feel like I was on this extraordinary, incredible set that was Star Wars. And it just felt so familiar to me, even though I'd never been there before. But I had in books and movies and animated stuff and comics in my mind's eye. And, and talking about you know Star Wars for over six years on this show... It just felt like I was home. In fact, it sounds funny to say, but when I ever, and a couple of days have passed since I've been there and I really miss it. Like it just, just when you walk around, you can just sort of see the things that you do. You mentioned the atmosphere. Like I, I made a point of walking places where there was no one on multiple occasions and just listening and hearing the sound effects piped in and the music and like the atmosphere of different animals and beasts and droids and things. And I just thought, wow, they have just taken this to a whole other place. And I know we're going to talk about the Falcon a little bit, but when you're standing in the, in the, the passenger hold of the cargo or of the Falcon, there's like this low sound of like an engine the entire time. And you feel like you're on a, the, a jet way before you're about to board a plane, but it's like the noise of the Falcon, like this ambient noise. This is extraordinary. As far as what underwhelmed me, honestly, I, I didn't love the blue and green milk. Ooh. <laughs> I, wa- I wanted to. Look, yeah. so they wanted to go for the butterbeer thing. The right. butterbeer is delicious. It's it's delicious. This is the the blue milk is good. I mean it's it's not great, but it's good. You know, I uh the green milk. Mm, the green milk is probably an acquired taste for people who are much more healthy conscious. I mean, I'm, I'm glad I tried them both. They had like a bunch of different cups set out everywhere for people to just grab them. And so I, me and uh, Clayton Sandell and Lou Mangella from WDW Radio took turns trying them for the first time together. So that was fun. And there's a Facebook video of that that I did actually. <laughs> um, but I, if I had to pick between the two, I would say I, the blue was better. But I was probably underwhelmed by the blue milk. Okay. Hmm. But that's just so. Me. So I know we want to. We definitely want to come back uh, to the Falcon, and, and maybe that's where we need to go next. But I would. I did want to ask. I'm assuming, just a yes or no. Is the Falcon the centerpiece of the of that part of the park? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like okay. every all roads lead to the Falcon. All right. <laughs> so what are some they other really what are some other visual highlights uh, aside from just the Falcon? Right. So you basically. If you come in from the, the side where the resistance is, and that's all the way uh, in Critter Country, which they don't have in Disney. If, for those who aren't aware, at Disney World, they're only going to have two entrances. At Disneyland, they have three. Can help with crowd control. 
Um, and Disney World is, of course, a lot bigger, so that helps. But for this for this one, um, there are the, the there is when the Rise of Resistance opens, that's going to be a major centerpiece. Um, a Resistance X Wing is over there, and an A Wing is over there, and you can get pictures by that. You can, uh, and there's this, this massive queue which I was sure to look at and just sort of check out. But that's pretty much it for that side of the park. There's nothing going on right there now because there's nothing open. But there are a number of tables and and little kind of like barrels and places you can sit. There are plenty of benches in the shade. There's plenty of places to sit. People were concerned about where you will I be able to be comfortable, be able to get out of the crowd and the craziness. Absolutely, you will. So there's definitely no problems there at all. So you've got the Falcon as your centerpiece, but uh, near there is Ronto's Roasters, which is where they have those that uh, pod race that's like an engine, supposedly, that's cooking the meat. So that's a big open food area. There's Docking Bay 7, which is also close by there, where you can get a lot of food. Um, and, and then at the far end of the of where the Falcon is, is the, re, the kind of a resistance, not a resistance, but a first order courtyard. Where there are a number of first order banners. There's this giant, a brand new tie called the Thai Echelon, which they use for shows. I watch the show where Kylo Ren comes down this ramp and there are stormtroopers and stuff like that. So that's kind of a showpiece. That's also right by the milk stand too. And then if you go past the milk stand, there are some bathrooms over there. Refreshers, I guess you should say. And then um, they have this little courtyard area where there are a number of droids. There's an art, there's an, an astromech droid is taking an oil bath over there. <laughs> and then if you go to another section, there's the big shopping marketplace, which has some of the most extraordinary merchandise you've ever seen in your life. And, you know, if you're a collector or casual collectors, you're done. You're absolutely yeah, done. Right. I can't even tell you. I did a lot of videos that too, with the cool stuff that they have there. But that's where you can see the Dianova that comes out behind the drinking fountain. Now it's all in, in case, so it's not like it's going to come out and, and spook you. Every minute in about 40 seconds or so, maybe a little less, that you hear this gurgling and rumbling and you see these pipes moving and shaking. Also, the Dianova pops up and looks at you. <laughs> but that's where the big marketplace area. It very much looks like when in The Force Awakens when they're walking in the Maz Kanata's castle um, yeah. and the banners and the, all that. Oh, yeah. You know, that's very much what that area feels like. Wow. That's, it's just stunning to hear you talk about this oh, and yeah. think like, I like you begin. said, like it's almost like, yeah, it's almost like, where do you begin? Where do you end? Where do you start? And yeah. like, it, it's it's crazy because just thinking you hear about this. I mean, Disney does a great job. If you've ever been to Disney World, Disneyland, there's like there's little things everywhere. There's little. I mean, I, I didn't. I, exp- I obviously expect them to do the very same thing for Star Wars: Galaxy's Edge, and uh, you've obviously talked about a little bit of it. Like, is it like kind of walking around and you're just like. I need to, I need to soak this in. I need I need to do everything type thing. Is it's there kinda, is there kind of? Do you like I, said, my, I guess my question is: Is there too much to do there in a, a single day? Um, uh, does that make sense? Because you said you no, went through like two, two I, or three times. So yeah, I, I went I went in, I got to leave and enter three different times. But okay. the first time we got over there about eleven, we went over to to Disneyland and we went to the theater where they have the Mr. Lincoln presentation, mm-hmm. and that's where they big, did the big panel for an hour. And then we walked backstage and we had lunch and then they said, okay, it's time to go over there. And that's when we walked around and we got to see the actual Falcon itself. And then we had these agendas, like you had an hour to 
like they put us in groups in the front of the first hour. I could go over to the cantina. And then the second hour I was able to go to, uh, to Doc Ondar's. And then I was able to go to check out Ronto's roasters. And then I was just sort of able to go to the marketplace. And I was just sort of able to roam around so these four hour slots that they have for people. They are, there's plenty of time to kind of go around and do stuff. So let's talk about the Falcon. Yes, let's let's yeah, talk. let's <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know I don't know what else to say other than talk about that Falcon. Yeah. Woo. You mean the the ride itself or the just the kind of the the Let's talk the about power. the ride. Yeah, let's talk about the ride. Because you told us how, how detailed it is and yeah. how real it is for you. So let's talk about the experience of uh flying the Falcon. Well, we knew from basically from noon, let's see, from noon to about three we had we were able to walk around everywhere. Um, so I do want to go back and talk about Doc Ondars and stuff like that because it's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah. But but the Falcon itself, from three to four, we could ride the Falcon. So I thought, I'm riding these things as many times as humanly possible. So I rode it uh, three times during that hour, and then I rode it one time at night during the grand opening festivities. So I got to ride the thing four times. But the queue itself is just incredible because basically you're walking through and half of it kind of feels like the inside of star tours. If you can see a lot better as far as how you're winding around and there's lots of little things going on. And there's a, there's clearly a game of Sabacc that was recently going on. That's down there and they have little droid parts and you can tell that Honda will knock a runs this place because there's a lot of craziness and pirate type things. There's this big screen that you walk under that every once in a while a pork silhouette will show up and it will bite a wire and it will fry itself and it'll make this funny noise. <laughs> They've got this massive uh, ship down in there too, which I'm not really sure what that is. I guess I should, um, I'm sure people talked about it, but there's that. And But while you're winding through, the Falcon is on the other side of you. So you see the back side of the Falcon. Like, you know, all those pictures you see with people standing in front, you don't get to see the back of the Falcon or the top of the Falcon with the radar dish and a different... Um, you know, the six famous disc ports on the top of the Falcon on the back. So you get to see all of that. And it's just, again, it's more just like an absolute feast. And you just keep thinking, I can't believe I'm looking at this thing. Just incredible. And then you walk into this, um, this basically this little bay area where these doors open up and that's where Hondo is. And there's like a minute and a half <laughs> audio animatronic of Hondo and he talks to you. And you see the Falcon. I guess I it probably is pretty clear right now, but there are going to be spoilers for the Falcon and for the attraction. If you, so, if you don't want to listen and want to be completely fresh, then feel free to pause and fast forward about ten minutes or so. Okay. So then uh, you watch him. Chewie comes out and talks to you. They basically explain, "Hey, you're going to go after some coaxium. That's what we're that's what we're trying to boost. That's what we're trying to take and smuggle away from the first order because we're going to give it to the resistance." Okay. Good. So then you walk in some more, and all of a sudden, you're in the the passenger hold of the Falcon. And you walk through, and you know, the whole place you're looking around, it's got those beautiful, you know, black floors and the ceilings, and you've got those circular sections of the wall, and, and, and then, you know, you're just touching them, and you're walking through, and you hear this low hum of the Falcon engines, you know, just sort of percolating and then you the, you turn and there's the huge massive couch and the Dajaric table, and it's all lit up and it just looks splendid. Now, so you know at Celebration Anaheim, Corey and I got to sit on a fan made set. Um, in fact, that's a picture that's in my studio, so I see it every time I record. So <laughs> there's like some precedence there, you know. So it's that was nice. And then when I got to go to the solo premiere, 
I got to walk through a replica of Lando's interior of the Falcon, which the bridge itself was fairly similar, although it was a lot cleaner. Uh, the, the Falcon cockpit was much, much smaller than this one. But it was there. You know, you, there, was, there was something to compare it to. But this, you remember? do you remember? You guys remember seeing pictures of me outside of the Millennium Falcon from the solo premiere when it was behind me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That one, that's a third of the size of this act of the real Falcon. <laughs> wow. So that okay. shows you. You can tell in the pictures scale. too. And the inside is the same kind of scale too. It's just so, it's so clean and pristine and beautiful. And you're just walking around thinking, and I actually said to the Disney people there, can this just be my bedroom? My wife won't mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they said, well, there are other people who probably want to come in here too. So I don't mind. Exactly. Um, uh, so then you go around, you can you can take pictures there, you can look at stuff. There's a lot of little hidden gems. Behind the, the Jarek table is like Luke's helmet from A New Hope and uh, a bunch of other little goodies that I'll, I will wait and let people see. But they're, they're, to say there are Easter eggs in Galaxy's Edge is um, is not selling it because there's just stuff everywhere. And it's stuff for, for movie fans. There's a ton of Rebel stuff. There's a lot of great Clone Wars stuff. There's just so there's stuff from the comic books from the Galaxy's Edge comic book miniseries that's out now. It's unbelievable all the things you can catch. So when you do that, and they give you these different little cards. They're they're about the size of bookmarks, but they're a little bit thicker. And it says like gunner or pilot or engineer, and there's two of each one. So there's going to be car, six cards thrown out, and they all and they're like this is the the green crew, this is the you know the brown crew, this is the purple crew, and like and they say okay. Blue crew, come over this way. You know what I mean? So that's how they segment who's going and where. Hold on. I need to get a drink of water here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I say, okay, blue crew, you're up. So you go into this, you go down the Falcon again, and you go down this little corridor, and there's that little door, which you and I, all three of us know what that door leads to. It leads to the cockpit. And mm-hmm. Then there's another video, and Hanna was talking to you again about, oh, don't forget to do this. And when something lights up, make sure you do this, do that. And there are little places for you to stand, similar to what you've seen in other Disney attractions. And then the door slides open. Boom, you walk in. Uh, you're in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcons. It's all lit up. It's gorgeous. It's massive. Um, it's a little bit bigger than the cockpit in the movie because they had to add extra seats because, you know, Hondo took over, right? So you sit down, and you put on your seatbelt. It's just a lap belt only, no shoulder strap. And then they have you pull on that yellow tag, you know, or that little yellow mm-hmm. rope that, that, to make sure the seatbelt is on. And before you know it, boom, it's time to roll. And so I tried, I tried four of the different positions of the six in the cockpit. I tried the pilot side in the front right. I tried all three sides on the right. And then I did the engineer side on the back left. So I haven't been the pilot on the left or the gunner on the left, but I've done everything else. So, so you, don't, you don't get to pick that, right? You say you're just handed that. It's just more you're like handed it based on where you're standing, but, but you can okay. say like, I was like, Hey, I want to be the pilot this time. I want to be this okay. time. And Clayton had told me, and here's the hot tip for everybody. If you want to be the person in the millennium Falcon that sends the ship to light speed, you need to sit in the pilot side on the right. So that is what I made <laughs> sure that I did nice. for the very first time. <laughs> so that's what I did. And the people I was with, I neglected to mention that to them because I wanted to do it. And I did. <laughs> um, convenient. Convenient. You snuck it. You so snuck it out from cool, under. Him. I did sneak it out. What's kind of cool is you go to Lightspeed twice on the ride, and the second time I did, I think I came out too fast because it's not like I have a, a road map of when to come out of Lightspeed. <laughs> you didn't ask um, Chewie on the way in. 
Yeah, I forgot to ask him. He was busy. <laughs> I bet. And so fans, then I, was, yeah. I found myself in an asteroid field, and I oh, so it took a while to Oops. kind of get through that. And I know that was unique because the next time I went on, then I was the gunner. The other person who did light speed didn't do that, and we didn't end up in an asteroid field. So there are different yeah. variations that they do. So which is kind of cool. Uh, the gunner thing isn't really all that spectacular. I mean, basically, you're not holding a joystick or like a some sort of a wheel to pilot. You're basically just pushing a button and, and blasting a console. And there's like a there's a missile mm-hmm. button, that kind of thing. I might say though, and also when you're the pilot on the right hand side, you're in charge of up and down, whereas the pilot on the left is in charge of left and right. So that's how you pilot it together. Mm-hmm. Um, my but my favorite thing might be the engineer. Uh, because you have to keep fixing it when it gets blasted, or you have to fix the shields or adjust stuff. And like when it turns off, you can turn on the Falcon again. It does that little kick and it roars to life, and there's a bunch of other lights <laughs> up. And you feel like you're really doing something. You know what cool. I mean? Yeah. Which is really cool. But the piloting part, it might have been because it was my first experience. I want to do a good job. And Hano screaming at you the whole time, and she was roaring, and the people <laughs> in the back, like, oh, look out, look out. So it was actually a little bit stressful because I didn't want to crash the Millennium Falcon. Um, and so it was a little hard to kind of go up and down. And, and at this point, I'm not sure how in, interactive it actually is. It's hard to tell. Uh, it really is hard to tell because there's just a ton of stuff going on. And besides steering or piloting or blasting, you got to hit all the little lights at the right times and the levers and stuff like that. And it does make a difference. I mean, I heard a bunch of people talking about how they felt if they didn't hit something in the right timely fashion or what have you. So it, it definitely makes a difference. Hmm. Dan, I've ridden uh, Mission Space, and uh, it's kind of that same idea. Everybody has a, uh, a role to play, and you have a timing thing. Yeah. And I'll be honest, I do not like that ride. It's nauseating. It's uh, <laughs> it doesn't feel right. It's claustrophobic. I mean, I, I don't want to compare too, but that's that's no, kind of what I'm coming from, I guess. You know, right? Does that make sense? No, it does. Even yeah. like where you line up and what role you have. Yeah, Just exactly. Like so, I mean, that, but but multiply okay. times ten billion. Gotcha. Um, and you're not multiply times you're billion, ten billion. I can do the math. Hold yes, on. do that. And when oh, wait, come back, you, when I come back, I'll come back with it. Sure. No, in, in honestly, you, it's not claustrophobic at all because the Falcon's a massive cockpit, mm-hmm. and you do have things you need to do. But in the mission space, you can push every button or not push anything and see 100 the same right. ride. Here, it does yeah. change what happens. Is it? I mean, I'm curious to know too. You said you queued up, and before you get into the cockpit room, and just the the way the ride works is how many cockpit rooms are there, like that you could kind of queue yeah. up for? Is it? Is there's? I what's that like? No, I don't know. From what I can tell, there were three or four, mm-hmm. but but the queues you can um, you can go to the left or right side. So I'm not entirely sure. But like I said, when it was open for the these past couple of days. It seems like the Falcon line wasn't too long. So hmm, interesting. Now they've got it crowd controlled because we've got reservations for the next, sure, you know, eighteen four, days or four so. years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, just eighteen <laughs> days. It's going to be open. Oh. And when you really be able to tell what it's like is when it's open season after June twenty eighth. But no, it, it's it's a really fun ride. People are asking me, is it my favorite ride that I've ever done at Disney? No, it's actually not. Uh, it's really not. I still think Avatar is. The ultimate ride, and I've been told by people who would know that when Rise of the Resistance opens, that will 1,000% be my favorite ride. So I'm looking forward to being able to tell you if that's true or not. So it's fun. It's a really fun attraction. It's kind of a great thrill and just the experience. 
And then when you leave, depending on how well you did and how many things the coaxium you captured, it will depend on what Hondo tells you, and you get little points, and you keep track, and you can keep score. Uh, for the targeting thing, when you're a gunner, you can have it in manual or automatic, which does change the experience a little bit, so that's kind of fun, too. Um, but it is a blast. It's super, super fun. Um, but it's not... I'm not going to say it's not my favorite thing at Galaxy's Edge, but there are other things that I liked as well. In fact, there is one thing that if you told me, okay, you've only got an hour, this is the only thing you can do at Galaxy's Edge, what are you going to pick? And what do you think I'm going to say? I think you're going to talk about Kia. Um, You're going to talk about Doc Ondor. And what about you, Corey? Which one, Corey, which one do you think I'm going to pick? Corey's speechless. Oh, I'm sorry. I was on mute. I was speechless for a minute. There. Sorry. <laughs> Good gracious. I was. I was kind of envisioning myself on the Falcon. Yes. Yeah. Um. No, Doc Ondor. I agree. I think it seemed like that's one that was a big hit for you. Okay. Um. So, w- would it change your mind if I told you that Doc Ondor's is not where you build a lightsaber? Um. Yeah, I guess I got those confused. Maybe I thought. So, so I thought Doc Ondor's has a bunch of incredibly unique collectibles. It's got. It's got the holocrons, Sith, and Jedi. It's got extra Kyra crystals. It's got all the legacy lightsabers, which basically means any lightsabers that were in Star Wars already that have already been built. Mm-hmm. They had um, the cheapest one was a hundred and I think eight. Wait, let me. I actually check my phone. I'm looking at that, but it's the cheapest one was Darth Vader's, and his <laughs> was in fact. Let me look at this. I know the most expensive one was not Vader's, but it was Ahsoka's. It's from Rebels. It's 199 bucks, but you get both of them. So that okay. and so that was cool. They had the the Jedi Temple Guard uh, oh. yellow lightsaber hilts from Rebels, oh, neat. which I thought was fantastic. Um, really oh, it's really cool. Okay, so Vader's is 109.99. That's not okay. bad, though. It's I mean, really like, not bad. So as you were showing I, the pictures, I saw some of the prices, and like they're like one hundred, one twenty-five, one fifty. I thought, like, if you're looking for a, a an a, you know an exclusive thing to get, you don't have a lightsaber replica. I mean, this is a really choice place to go oh, to get one. Best. It's the best. So uh, I have, as you guys know, I have master replica ones that are just the hilts. Mm-hmm. These are these are a similar kind of um, um, craftsmanship. Uh, maybe not quite is like pristine looking because you can you can actually use them and play with them. So they're not as heavy, but they're heavy. Like th- these are not mm. plastic. These are not cheap. These are very, very high quality items. There are two different blade lengths you can get to attach them, or you can just not get a blade at all and just have the hilt. The box, I have that on Instagram and Twitter for people to look at that they give you when you buy your lightsaber is, is awesome in its own right. It's kind of gray and green has got the the symbol of the of the resistance on it it's quite awesome they have massage ventresses they have ahsoka's i told you about they've got the jedi temple guard they've got vader they've got anakin revenge of the sith they've got uh obi-wans i believe from episode one uh they have darth maul's a half one and they have kylo ren's and they're great. And I wasn't. I was doing my best to ignore, like, oh, these are cool, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go hold them. And then I'm like, ah, I better hold them. <laughs> and then they gave me one. Then they gave me the Obi Wan Kenobi one of all them to hold. Oh. And Lou said, "Come on, pick it up, pick it up." Like, no, I don't want to. And like, he goes, "Come on, you know you want to." So Lou Mangel, the enabler, uh, gets him to it. 
<laughs> and I turned it on and I'm like, darn it. I want to buy this thing. And he laughed. He's like, of course you do. And I really did. But this is not the number one thing I was going to pick. The thing I would pick if I only had one would be Savvy's Workshop. We actually okay. built mm. a lightsaber. Guys. Right. Yeah. Okay. There are three moments at Galaxy's Edge that I was overwhelmed with emotion. The first, of course, was the Falcon, seeing the Falcon for the first time. The second was was when Harrison Ford walked up the ramp and I was in the <laughs> of him. I was mm. I was like freaking out. I was about ten feet away from him. And I'd never seen Hamill in person either. So that was so I got to look on the stage at Mark Hamill, George Lucas, Harrison Ford, Billy Dean Williams, and Bob Iger. Just yeah. sitting right in front of me under the Falcon. I just thought, oh, I'm I'm dead. I'm yeah, dead. right, right. <laughs> and the third was at the end of the Savvy's workshop experience. So it was towards, we had about 45 minutes until Galaxy's Edge was closing for the night. I was with Clayton and then Anthony Bresnikan came by. I'm like, hey, dude, come watch us do this. He's like, all right, sure. So we, we walk in there and you've got four to pick from. You, you, I already kind of known sort of which ones look the coolest to me because I just looked at a lot of the pictures online of as far as what Disney had released for us. You know what I mean? Oh. Mm-hmm. Have you guys seen the different options that they have? I have a couple of them. A couple. Well, there I put them on our CWK Instagram too, so check them out. So you've got the Peace and Justice one, which is what I picked. You've got the one that's called Elemental Nature, which is kind of like pieces of Rancor Tooth and Kashiki and wood oh. and all kinds of stuff. You've got the one that's called uh, Protection and Defense. And then you've got the last one, which, of course, you could probably guess is is the Sith one is Power and Control. Now, the Power and Control one is really, really cool. looking. I almost picked it. And whatever one you pick, there's a, a pin that's assigned to that. And you put that on your shirt. And then when you're inside Savvy's Workshop, that's so they know which kit to give you. You know what I mean? Nice. Got because, it, because it's a story. So it costs... Oh. You know, it's expensive. It's like 190 bucks or something like that or 200 bucks. And you're like, well, I'm not going to pay that. And I wasn't going to. But then I just thought, well, I'm, you know, I'm kind of uh, a nut for this sort of stuff. And I, since I'm here, you know, I might as well do it. Um, this is this is like a 20 minute experience. Have either of you uh, done the wand experience? At, at, you know, at, I was going to. I was going to mention that, Dan. We did that, oh, two, two summers ago, maybe. And I was, I'm not a big Harry Potter fan, you know. And it was, like you say, you walk in and the kind of experiences, you walk in the workshop and um, it's very similar to uh, what you're describing here. I mean, a little bit different. We're cramped. But um, and I was like, I don't know. I'm not a big Harry Potter. I'll just go with my son because he wants to do it. And I was really excited. This is cool because it was it was fun. They did a good job. And like you said, it's you kind of get, it's very unique uh, it's not just like here's a lightsaber, here's a lightsaber, here's a lightsaber. Or, I said lightsaber. I mean wand. But um, they're just handing this out and letting you go on their way. But it's like it is like an experience to uh, customize or to hold and just feel the you know grip or the touch in like in in general. Like I think this sounds like very similar to that. I think that's that's cool. Way to, cool way to do it. Now in Harry Potter's wand experience, at Ollivander's wand experience, does everybody get a wand? Uh. I th- no, you don't. I didn't think you it did. just gets you in. It gets you in a store, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can walk around. There's a first. There's like an experience where you they, they describe the store to you and how wands are chosen. There's a kind of like this. They chose someone from the crowd and they like kind of say, "Oh, you know, try this wand and see it like bonds with you." And they do some like animatronic stuff and it's kind of fun and everybody has a good laugh. And then they bring you into the store and in the store 
it's you know you can you're welcome to purchase something and like there's wands of all levels of course the apprentice up to the like the magical magical you know movie style uh props uh that that you can get and um so it's and or you can just you know exit and you know that's it experience over hmm. well it's okay so people because people care we're comparing them and you know they're different experiences and i love harry potter i think harry potter is wonderful i think the books are literature uh for this everybody gets a lightsaber you know there's it's 14 people in the room at a time and they talk to you this woman this woman in our in my experience came out and talked about the lightsaber that you know the mystical weapon of the jedi and it's you know bad two takes place after the last jedi so that's kind of where we're at in the story because you're part of the canon right when you're inside bad two Ooh. Yeah. yeah and then you they tell you basically what they do and they ask you some questions about them and then they say all right it's time for you to build your lightsaber and they look they walk around they look at your pin sure. Um, and then they get out these kits and they put them in front of you. And I took a picture of mine. And there's a number of options you have to choose from. Because you design the look of this thing. You design the hilt. You design where the emitter is. Because uh, you want, you know, you and then you basically screw them on. And again, they're very heavy. They're a very, very high quality item. And then in this wonderful, incredible moment, they say, it's time to pick your kyber crystal. And by the way, when they talk about oh, the yeah. kyber crystals, it's like timed. You must be on some sort of a timing mechanism because mm. they talk about the blue ones. Also, the entire room is is in, in is enveloped in blue lighting, and then they play the music from A New Hope, and then they talk about the green, and then they change the music again. I have goosebumps talking about this. <laughs> yeah, this is cool. Oh, dude, you're going to die! It's just it's the best. And then there's the red and the purple, and they bring them out in these huge, massive containers, and they're all glowing. And there's little pieces of plastic, but it just feels like amazing. Right. So they're doing that, and then it comes to me, and, and I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt before I was born what color I was going to pick. I was going to pick blue. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, and in, in, in kind of cool, in a kind of fun way for me, the 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 collection of Kyber crystals that came over to me, there was only one blue one anyway. So I'm like, yeah, I'm the chosen one. Mm-hmm. So I grabbed the blue one, and you put it inside your lightsaber hilt. And next to the emitter, and it starts to glow. The kyber crystal oh. glows inside the lightsaber. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> and then you put the thing on top and you do these other things and blah blah blah. And then they take them, and I'm not going to explain to you what happens, and I'm not oh. going to tell you what happens when you turn them on or how they they make that happen, because I I don't want it to be ruined for you. I guess I could talk about it on pour over. Maybe that would be the fair way to do Ooh. it. So we I want to know. I got to know. Okay, I'll tell you on on this week's pour over. Okay. Um, but for everyone else, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't want this ruined for me. Like I would be really disappointed. So I'm gonna save it. But suffice to say, when it was done, I would and I turned on my lightsaber. I cried. I was like, oh my gosh, this feels like <laughs> it's really happening. And it was wow. just, it was just so wondrous and wonderful. And there was everyone in that room was just completely, completely entranced by the experience. It was just. It was so magical. Then they give you this this giant black uh, zip case, basically, to put it in so you can bring it with you on the airplane. Um, I shipped mine. Uh, Pro tip, everybody. Do not, for the love of Yoda, ship these things. Carry them with you through security and just deal with whatever happens. It it was too much money for me to ship it. But but I froze and I shipped it, so I don't know. But it's, it's the... 
I don't, I feel weird saying it's the best thing because they're all the best things. They're all really yeah. cool. The cantina is wonderful. I haven't even talked about the cantina at all, but the cantina is great. People were worried about, you know, it's going to be too small. It's going to be blah, blah. It's going to be kitschy. It's none of those things. It's the perfect size. There's plenty of room to walk around. Rex is there from Star Tours as the DJ. The music is fun. It's beautifully <laughs> lit. The music is great. As um, in Captain Rex? Captain Rex. Yeah. <laughs> DJ Captain DJ, Rex. DJ Rex. And it's still Paul Rubin doing the voices. Oh, uh, I heard about that. Yeah, that's I went great. In there. I went in there, I think, twice. Um, and the only downside, you know, and no one's going to play any sad violin music for me. I got to go to Galaxy's Edge for two days unobstructed. But but they didn't let you order any drinks. Pretty much, here's some samples. You can try this. Oh, okay. So that, that was kind of what happened there. Um, but... And that's and the canteen is great. Like it's something that people are gonna want to hang out at. And I, I sure do. I mean, someday the three of us are gonna record inside the cantina and it's gonna be mm. pretty great. But oh. it's uh I mean that's that's kind of a massive overview uh, of Galaxy's Edge. Oh. And, I'm, and I'm gonna have a ton oh. of shows this week and next talking about it in more detail with a lot of different people. But I had to have my guys on and talk yeah. to you guys. Absolutely. Now, um, it, to be fair, I mean, we we have more than we're going to talk about. We're going to do them on CWK Portal. So if you want to listen, just five bucks a month. But we didn't want you, everyone here on the main show has been with us since the beginning to not get a chance. I mean, I've told you everything. I've told you my major thoughts and feelings and reflections and all the stuff, what I thought of them. Um, I guess there is one story that I haven't gotten to tell you guys yet. I haven't gotten to tell anybody yet unless oh. it's on CWK Lens. And that's about how I met Alden Ehrenreich. Yes. Yes. Did I tell you that crazy hat? I haven't. No, I haven't heard it. Yeah, that crazy hat. So so the second day of the media event, I'd already been through Batu twice. I've been through the grand opening. I've been through the ceremony, which again was amazing. And one quick thing, real quick. Uh, The Falcon attraction is different at night. It's probably better at night. It 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 Mm. just changes. uh, Yeah, I wondered when you come back. It's it's much different. I was really oh. quite happy with that. And the Falcon at night is completely gorgeous and stunning. I mean, it's just, it's just a, a masterwork and architecture and lighting and angles and, cin- and cinematic wonder. It just, it's just great. So I've done it twice. I've been on the ride four times. So I'm, I'm going through and um, I'm walk. I'm in the hotel in the morning. I, I had breakfast with Lou Mangello and Becky Menken from Mouse Fan Travel and then I met Chris Perillo, uh, you know, the, the great oh, yeah. Perillo from, from you, all the great stuff he does on YouTube. He's a massive Star Wars fan. So the four of us all went and got coffee and stuff like that. But then everybody kind of went their separate ways, got to do interviews and things like that. And so I'm walking down towards the main uh, convention entrance for the media. And I look up and here's Alden Ehrenreich walking right towards me. He's surrounded by <laughs> family. I'm like... Oh my gosh, Lisa would pass out and die, right? <laughs> and I really wish you could have been there, Lisa. I, by the by the way, I did send her this picture before anybody because I'm like, I better better nice. do my confession first because she's going to be like, ah, yeah. <laughs> she's the biggest fan in the world. So he looks at me, he makes eye contact, and he just and, that, and then he just turns and he's walking with his family. And I'm like, wow, okay, what do I do here? What do I do? Should I do anything? Mm-hmm. I should probably let him go. I'm I'm really close to where he is. I mean, I've seen him at the junkets before, but but still, there you go. So he turns towards the media entrance that I'm going to. I'm like, all right. So we're walking through the door and he starts saying something to his brother or somebody about riding the Falcon and what that's going to be like. And I said, dude, it's awesome. And Nelson, he looked at me 
And he just like, it's almost like we were college friends. He's like, he goes, have you seen it? Have you written on it already? I'm like, yeah, I wrote it four times. He goes, are you serious? What's it like? So I'm giving Alden Ehrenreich tips on flying the Falcon. Yeah, you're giving Han Solo tips on flying the Falcon. I love yeah. it. Yeah, and then so we're walking and we're talking about it. And I said, by the way, if you want to be the person to go to light speed, nice. Sit in the pilot side, <laughs> in the front right. He's like, okay, cool, thanks. So I shake his hand. He walks yeah. into the media entrance, and I think I just told Han Solo how to go to light speed on the phone. Uh, yeah, right. Oh, that's perfect. It happened. It oh my! Happened. So I'm retiring. Kobe's done. Yeah, right. See you later. <laughs> yeah, this is a, you can't really top that, honestly, right? No, you can't top that. that other than showing how Luke had to turn the lightsaber on, but yes, you know, and it's and it's canon. <laughs> Dan, you're canon. canon. You told him how to go to light speed. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh my! That's amazing. Well, now, yes. So then, I, of course, I took that picture and we broke our our Twitter account because we got a lot of a lot of love for that. So it's it's great. But I want to thank everybody. Um, one thing I really believe this very much. This show, Coffee with Kobe, has been an incredible success. I'm very very blessed. I'm very very lucky. But I also believe that the harder you work, the luckier that you are. I also believe that in times of great success. That's when you can tell who your friends are, because that's who the people who come up to you and support you when things are going well. Not when things are going bad. Now, that's a whole different thing. That's a different psychology. But when things are going well and people are are excited for you and they're living vicariously through you, that's when you know those are good friends. And I'm talking about you two, of course, two of my favorite people in the world. (laughs) Of course, my family, my amazing wife who does all these great stuff so that I can do these cool things for coffee with Kenobi. Mr. and Mrs. Draft Prawn. Aaron Harris, Dave Motters, uh, you know, there are a ton of people who've been incredibly cool and supportive about this experience and so much more. And I, and I thank you guys so much. This experience, as I said, at the top of the show was the number one thing I've been looking forward to doing since I started the show. It was the number one thing I wanted to do this year and I could not be happier. Well, I mean, was, uh, you know, it's funny because I was, my question I had kind of at the, at the end here for this was, like you mentioned, starting this podcast, I mean, there was there was no idea in our plan in our mind there would be a Star Wars, uh, Disney Land, uh, Galaxy's Edge. We even know the name, obviously, at that point. But like, right. we never knew it was, it was just like it was, it was a little, little glimmer of of spark of hope in our minds. Like, maybe someday it's will happen, you know? Yeah. Maybe someday I'll, you know, be a basketball player, you know, but it's the fact that like, this is like raw, pure, like fandom. And this is, this is to the nth degree of, of, of an experience that we, you almost think that with this, oh, that'll never happen. It'll never get there, but here it is. And, and, and you got to experience it in a way that we probably couldn't have ever dreamt of back in, you know, what, six years ago. Yeah. When you know Coffee's Club was kind of kicking off, or even as a fan, like this is this is a whole new level of an experience for any fan of any age. Obviously, Disney has knocked it out of the park, and we knew they would. But like to the fact that like just your from your experience and your your stories that this is something that is going to be forever 
ingrained in, in fans to to go kind of travel to to pilgrimage to 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 experience and have a great time and and I appreciate you coming being and being humble about it too because it's easy to to go well look what I got to do and look at you know I'm I'm just you know I'm the guy to be and and you didn't do that you came off you gave us content for days basically and let us kind of like I said we sat in your pocket and we're able to ride along with you and live vicariously through you as much as I would kept turning my wife going oh no he's got another he's tweeted something else out now he's got something else you know like look at look at this now look what he's doing now can i can i just call him can i do you know it's it's it was ridiculous the fact that like things kept coming up but like you are are were experiencing as a fan for the fans so i appreciate that that much for you and uh it's it's a lot of fun i'm excited to do it do myself well thank you that's i really that's really very a really nice way to put it i, I appreciate that i i can also say that this doesn't feel like it's done by by posers or pretenders. This feels like authentic mm-hmm. Star Wars. It feels like it's done by people who love Star Wars, and it feels like it's done by people who know Star Wars because they do mm-hmm. and they have and they continue to make this incredible. I haven't even talked about the droid factory either. My goodness. Well <laughs> um, so much. Have anything anything else before we wrap up the coffee with Kenobi show number two eighty one? No, I was just well. I was just going to kind of reflect on what Corey said and say it was so much fun watching your uh, your coverage of this because it didn't feel like you know it didn't feel like a a, a sterile news story. You were you were there, loving every bit of it. All of your all of your passion for Star Wars came through in in your coverage and your photos and your videos, and it was just a lot of fun. And I appreciate all the work that you do, not just for uh, Galaxy's Edge, but for Coffee with Kenobi and Pour Over and all the things that you do for us. And it's just it has been phenomenal. And I could tell, I could tell that this was like at the moment pinnacle for you because you were living in star wars world and you really were yeah and uh and and telling han solo how to go to light speed i mean <laughs> Jim, <laughs> christmas that was better. so awesome so <laughs> congratulations to you it this this is well earned and you have paid us back with your experience so uh so thank you for that and, hey thanks for having me on the show tonight to uh interview yeah. you and talk about this this has been so much fun yeah well, thanks brother I, I appreciate your kind words as well it wouldn't be the same Without sharing it with you guys, uh, for sure. So yeah, we're we're gonna wrap up this week's show. Uh, it's been a great. I want to thank Matt Martin from the Lucasfilm Story Group, and James Burns, Corey Club, and Tom Gross, of course, for joining me. Later in the week, we're going to have uh, a shows where I'm going to talk with Lou Mangello and Becky Menken about their experiences going through the Falcon and going through different things with me as well. I'm going to have some interviews with some of the people who worked on Galaxy's Edge that are going to absolutely blow your mind. Seriously. Everybody, just wait until you see these videos that I got to do live on the set of Batu. I'm going to talk about that experience behind the scenes and so much more on pour over the next couple of weeks. So be sure to join me. But thanks again so much, everybody. We will see you very, very soon. This is the podcast you're looking for. Looking to catch up on the latest Star Wars books? Try listening to them on audio, featuring sound effects and music directly from the movies. Star Wars audiobooks are the definitive listening experience. From brand new audiobooks such as Master and Apprentice and Dooku Jedi Lost to our blockbuster movie tie-in editions, you'll have plenty to keep you entertained. Start listening wherever audiobooks are sold. 
This podcast is not endorsed by the Walt Disney Company or Lucasfilm Limited. It is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com. Star Wars, all names, sounds, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Disney and their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of Coffee with Kenobi unless otherwise indicated. This is the podcast you're looking for. There's no one here. Move along. Move along.